from the Tulsa world. This is the OSU Sports Extra Podcast, sponsored by Albert G's Barbecue. Here are your hosts, Dean Rule and Jawan Lee. Season 3, Episode 30 of the OSU Sports Extra Podcast, coming at you on a Tuesday afternoon, back with my co-host, Dean Rule. I'm Jawan Lee, and I don't know, Dean, this isn't... This isn't a good week. I don't think this is how OSU fans wanted to to come after this Central Central Florida game, a forty five to three loss after that Bedlam win. How did we end up here, Dean? It is an astounding score, right? Like I remember watching the game, and it was pretty clear from the beginning that okay, uh oh, right? What is what is this team doing? Um, but that final score still blows my mind because. You look at it and you say, you could make the case that that final score doesn't even tell the story of just how bad things went. And that's a 42 point margin of victory for UCF. Um, yeah, a, a disastrous performance to say the least for OSU. Um, I don't want to say you could have expected it, right? But w- when you win five games, um, you get five good wins. Uh, you're coming off a, a bedlam game that uh, was emotional to say the least. Like the, uh, nobody will admit there was a bedlam hangover, but I'm pretty sure there was. Juwan, I think last week that's what gave me a little bit of trepidation to pick OSU to win. I mean, I did pick them to win, so no, no excuse there. It's not like I'm trying to backtrack or anything, but. Just a little bit before our prediction, I was kind of wondering how much of that emotional win over OU was going to carry over into this game. And I mean, we saw it with a with a 42 point loss to UCF. I mean, you hold Ollie Gordon to 25 carries, you forced three interceptions on Allen Bowman. I mean, it just wasn't a good game for OSU all around. But I guess we can start there because you look at three points for OSU after it seems like this offense had finally hit its stride the past couple of weeks. What did you see from that side of the ball, and what did some of the players and coaches have to say about that performance afterward? Yeah, I think you start with the turnovers, right? Because that's where the the major problems started. Um, you the the rare Ollie Gordon fumble on the first drive. Uh, you, the second drive, you get an Allen Bowman interception, and you know, I think I think two of the two of all three of them were deflected, right? Tipped up, shot up in the air. The UCF caught it. Um, I think two of the throws he made, you know, high and over the middle, like that's that's a dangerous throw to begin with. Um, uh, the other one was just, yeah, I think a bad break. But I, I think that's where you start when you evaluate this offensive performances. Those first two drives, right? Because I think I don't think we've ever talked about this Juwan because we haven't really needed to but uh, uh, OSU the way that they're built can only win a specific type of game and, and in the, the five game win streak they had those kind of games uh, and, and it's scoring early they, they scored on all five of their opening drives during their five game win streak and scoring often Um you know, and, and you saw that with, you know, putting up 48 points, 39 points, um, 29, 27. There's another one in there I'm forgetting, but 45. 
you know, they've been putting up a lot of points. They've been scoring often. They've been scoring early. And that allows them to be balanced on offense, right? And the moment you take that away from them, um, you get this type of performance where you become one-dimensional. You have to focus on throwing the ball. You can't rely on the run. And, uh, you know, I think weather's a terrible excuse for why you're not able to do what you want to do. But there was the rain, you know, like, like anybody who watched it, uh, saw that there was a torrential downpour uh, in the second quarter and it carried over into the second half. So point being, they play a specific type of game and that's how they win. The, they win the games that they can play in the way they want to. Um, and they weren't able to do that. And that's why you see such abysmal numbers across the board because they couldn't do not only what they wanted to do, but kind of what they have to do on offense um to score to win a game and eventually kind of put it in the defense's hands to uh close out in terms of disappointment where does this rank in comparison to that south alabama loss this year i think south alabama is exponentially worse um for a couple reasons i think you got you have to look at that south alabama game they still were trying out, you know, who's going to be the quarterback, who's going to be the running back, uh, rotating some stuff around there. It was a, a pretty – and it dropped, you know, it's early in the season. It's a game you were supposed to – you know, I think UCF we, – we talked about it last week, Juwan. They're a better team than the record indicates. Uh, I think back in the preseason poll, UCF was picked – they were by far the highest ranked of the new schools. It was either, I think they were eighth. I think they were right below OSU in where they were projected to finish. Um, so I say that because this score, the 45 to three should have never happened. OSU easy, like them losing this game doesn't surprise me. It's the score that surprises me in, in the way this right. game played out. Um, right. Or South Alabama, I mean, Juwan, you are paying this team to come in to give you a win. That's not <laughs> Alabama. You, you, you are shelling out money for them to travel, to come here, to play you, and for you to beat them pretty easily. Um, so I think that's the biggest the, – to, to me, that's the exponentially worst one, right? If you're a, an OSU fan, you're, you're probably pretty pissed about the outcome of, on Saturday, right? Rightfully so. Um, but you have a lot more clarity on this team and where this program is at than you did when they lost to South Alabama, right? Like, mm-hmm. so, I, so that's why I think like South Alabama is the much, much worse loss this season. This was bad. This was ugly. This is pretty much an inexcusable loss, especially when you're trying to get to a conference championship game. Uh, I can't think of a, a worse way to, to kind of follow up such an important win, uh, than 45 to three, but point being, uh, South Alabama, I think was by far the, the much lower point of the season than this one is. Well, I'm pretty sure a lot of OSU fans out there immediately wanted to know what exactly does this do for OSU's big 12 title chances? Um, where does this put them now? 
That's a great question, Juwan. That really is. Um, I saw somebody, somebody made a web. I wish I could remember the guy's name. He made a website that kind of lets you play around with the, the final two weeks and figure out, uh, you know, if this team wins, this team loses. Point being, they're they're still in it, right? They're not. They're still a semi favorable position. They no longer control their own destiny, which which hurts them. Um, you've still got OU and K State kind of kicking around, and it, it's the problem is the rules, the way the rules are written. There's they're open for interpretation, which I don't think is ever a good idea. <laughs> um, point being, I think if the way I understand it. And also from my understanding, there's going to be uh, more clarity given from the conference in, in the next sometime this week. But from what I understand is if OSU, OU, and K-State all win out and Texas wins out, Texas would go as the top seed in the conference. They're locked in. OSU, Kansas State, and OU would all be tied for second with a seven and two conference record. Because Kansas State and OU did not play, then the head to head against everybody that gets thrown out the window. Mm, so okay, okay. So you have so OSU beat OU and beat mm-hmm. Kansas State, right? To me that should be enough to to put them in. But that's not how I understand the rule. I've spent way more time than I want to admit trying to understand this (laughs) and and everything. But from how I understand it, just because OSU beat OU and K-State, it doesn't mean they get to go. It goes then to the second tiebreaker, which is um, your conference record against the next highest-seeded opponent. And if I've done the math correctly, in order for OU, OSU, and K-State to all win out, that means Iowa State and Kansas would be tied for the uh, would be the next highest. They, they share the same conference record, and they which would be I think five and four. I should have written okay. it down, but so you would take the combined record against those two opponents. So you would have OSU would be one and one. They beat Kansas, lost to Iowa State. OU would be two and oh, because they beat both of them. And then K State, um in order for this scenario to happen, which is I believe is the most likely, K State would beat KU and then they would have they play Iowa State. Let me look it up real quick. They will play the last weekend of uh, November, or so, or the last weekend of the regular season. So in order for K State, they would beat Iowa, so they would be two and zero. OU and them would be two and zero, and then I don't know how you break that tiebreaker, but it would kick OSU out. So, and that's just one of the many, however <laughs> many scenarios there are, Jawan. So it's not. It's, it sounds like with OSU losing, they made this thing way more complicated than it had to be. 
series way much more complicated because I saw somebody on Twitter last night who said if all the home teams win this week and then if a couple things happen the following week, you have a there's the opportunity for an for an eight-way tie for first place <laughs> in the conference. So um my main takeaway is yeah, it's a little crazy. It sounds like there's gonna be some clarity coming this week. And then on top of that, um how about we just make this easy and cut up into divisions because I think that would solve a lot of problems. It would actually. Um, I guess, you know, before, before we get to all the, you know, worrying about what may happen in two weeks, OSU has to focus on their last two games against Houston and BYU. Um, It was interesting. You put this in an article about the UCF have a blueprint. Is this the blueprint for, for how to beat this OSU team? And I know Mike Gundy answered that, but I want to get your take on that. And also how confident are you in OSU's ability to bounce back from a loss like this? Yeah, I I think I would agree with Mike Gundy a little bit that there isn't a blueprint. UCF did not create the blueprint. um, Cause he said what UCF was able to do is what everybody was trying to do against them uh, for the past month. So I agree with him that they probably did not because what UCF, I think, really capitalized on was stuff that OSU has been struggling with um, since the beginning, right? The big plays, the, the if you start slow on offense, they're digging themselves into a, a pretty big hole that they, they're not able to get out of. Um, so, yeah, so I would agree that, that that's probably true that they didn't necessarily give the blueprint, but I'm sure there's going to be teams that – well, actually, I watched Dana Holgerson's press conference today. I guess it was from yesterday, but I watched it today just to see what he kind of had to say. Um, and, and he said, talking about the UCF game, he said, you know, we're, we're, he almost made it sound like they're not really going to focus in on that tape because it was such an uncharacteristic game played by OSU – and he, I think he even said, it, you know, it was a perfect storm that that kind of got OSU. So I think that was interesting to say, to hear. Not just, you know, to hear from another head coach, their kind of perspective on on that loss. And, and he kind of chalks it up as, ah, you know, OSU just ran into a perfect storm and, and it killed him. Um, so, yeah, I, I don't think there's a blueprint. I think you still need a plan for Ollie Gordon and you still need to you know, when the hole's not like if you're Ali Gordon, when the hole's not there, you got to find the hole, right? Like if it's not where you expect it, you got to, you know, you, there's little things that that OSU I think just needs to do to really get back to what they were doing uh, so successfully for those five for five game win streak. Um, and it's not so much what the opponents uh, were able to, what UCF was able to do against them. You know, Dean, I think one of my favorite pastimes on Sundays is going to our Facebook page, going to our Twitter page and looking at the comments of some of our OSU content, our OU content, and seeing seeing what people's thoughts were on the on the previous game, where the OU wins, OU loses, OSU wins, OSU loses. It's 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 pretty enjoyable to do. But one thing that consistently came up is the term outcoached. And it's something that Mike Gundy has also used in his in his pressers. But just talk to me about when he uses that term out coach, what exactly is he meaning by that? First off, Juwan, I think that's a terrible thing to say, right? Like yeah, I do. I do. I like it blows my mind. Like he's said it three times this year. And it always blows my mind that he says it. Because that'd be like, 
uh, I'm trying to think of like a good, com- I guess in our job, Juwan, like, oh yeah, you know, if a competitor writes a story and, and, uh, <laughs> you know, my, my editor comes up to me and says, well, Dean, what happened? I said, oh, I got outwritten. <laughs> well, I'm, I'm paid to write. Like, I can't, that can't be, I'm pretty much saying, yeah, I, need, I just didn't do my job. Right. Exactly. I mean, like, the out, out coach thing is so, is like, it blows my mind that he, he says it. And so I always ask, like, I think I asked at first, I was like, what do you mean by that? And he said, it's pretty much they got out schemed, right? The, the, the opposing coaches had better, had a better game plan than OSU's coaches did, and they executed it well. Um, and after the UCF lost, I asked him, I said, well, this is like the third time you brought that up. Is that concerning? And he said, when he explained it, I, I kind of, I, I think I grasped a little more what he, I would use a different word if I were him. I would stop saying I got outcoached because right, that right. Is, is terrible to say. Um, so when he gave the context behind it, I kind of understand a little more what he's trying to say. And I think it's that you would, he said, you would love to go into a game, all 12 games with a better game plan than them, right? You can't always have that, right? Cause you don't know what they're doing and what they're scheming for. And sometimes you just get beat, right? Like they just had a better, what they decided to do worked better than what you were deciding to do. Um, so I don't know if I'd call that out coached. Um, you know, I guess you could say the preparation was better, but yeah, I, I think that's a, that's a slippery slope of a word to be thrown out there, especially multiple times in a year. Um, <laughs> yeah. So I might consider a different, uh, I might consider a, a word change there, but I think when he, but when he's saying out coached, I don't think he means like, yeah, we just didn't do our jobs. It sounds more like what they did worked better for the situation than what we did. Flipping over to the defensive side of the ball, 45 points for this UCF team. We just talked about differentiating turns between out-coached, you know, getting out-schemed, the preparation wasn't good enough. A stat that you threw out, Thursday before the game, you also brought it up again in, in the post game comp in your post game pot was UCF's ability to convert third downs. They were fifty percent on Saturday. Kind of walk me through what you saw from that UCF offense against OSU's defense. Yeah, I think I mean this is this was game number ten in the Brian Nardo tenure, and I'm still going to stand by what I've said all year, Juwan. Like this is a long term thing. It's not going to be perfect in the first year. So I'm still going to stand behind that. Um, but I think this was this statistically was the worst defensive game they've played all year. Uh, they let up 45 points. That's a season high. They let up 596, uh, 592 total offensive yards. Uh, for the first time this season, they allowed a 200-plus yard rusher. Like, it's just you go down the list, and it's just like bad, bad, bad. Yeah, 50% on, on third. Yeah, UCF comes in averaging 50%. On third downs, they hit that mark exactly on Saturday. They went uh, six of 12. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Um, and so, I mean, I don't think, well, I mean, we don't need to explain like the the context behind what that does, you know, keeps the defense out there longer, long story short. But the, and, and you know, if you really, that really got done, Juwan, 
mostly in the third quarter. I mean, by the 10-minute mark of the fourth quarter, both teams are just trying to get the game done. You know, people are throwing backups out there and just trying to run out the clock because the game was, you know, the game was essentially over by then. Um, so, yeah, it, it, was, it was not a good statistical performance, not a great, you know, actually on the field performance. They let up big plays, and it was interesting um, – when Mike Gundy was asked about the big plays on Monday, you know, throughout the season, the problem has been the broken coverages. They're playing younger guys, uh, missed assignments that that's allowed receivers to get open, find a, you know, huge hole and, and hit those big plays. They just got beat on Saturday. Like they were in coverage. They were in the right spot. They just got beat. Uh, and Mike Gundy kind of called those 50, 50 plays. I'd agree with him a little bit there, but but some of those were just, you know, there was one uh, along the sideline. Uh, OSU, there was a delayed offsides penalty, so John Rice Plumley had a free play, and he just kind of threw it deep. It was it was underthrown. Receiver just came back, caught it, boom, took it to the house. And, and it's stuff like that that just is going to hurt you. It's going to, you know, it's part of the reason why they fell into such a big hole because – First play of the game was a 37-yard completion down the middle of the field. And they were able to hit on five passes of of 35-plus yards. And, and it's just you can't win a game like that, right? I think we said it last Thursday, like this is just probably part of the defensive identity this year. You're not going to be able to fix this with, I mean, best case, they play four more games. Worst case, they play three more games. Um, it's not going to be able to get cleaned up. I think this is just part of who they are. Um, but yeah, not not a great showing from them. Through these past couple weeks, have you seen any improvement from this defense? And also to add on to that, what exactly do you feel this defense does well? Like, what is the strength of this defense? I think overall there's been improvement. Saturday was a regression for sure. Um and part of that is just part of that situation, right? Like the game was out of reach by the and and UCF was able to still do some stuff and really kind of blow the game open. Um, but but I think overall there's been the improvement. I think the big plays have been cleaned up a little bit. I, there, there's always going to be there. I think this year, and and you know, good teams are going to make big plays. I don't care what you do defensively. Like talent always wins out. But um, I, I think the strength for sure is the front seven. Um, you know, somebody like Nicholas Martin has really had a, a solid emergence. And uh, he didn't do, I think he had eight tackles uh, against UCF. But he's, he's point being, he's had a really strong season. That linebacker group, what they've done with Colin Olivers, I think has been, been really efficient. Um, what they've done on the defensive line, they've got that depth. They've been able to keep it healthy for the most part. Uh, that plays into it as well. But, yeah, so, so so I think overall there's been the improvement, Juwan, but Saturday for sure was a regression. I guess the biggest question that OSU fans are probably wondering right now is what now? What does this team need to do to get back on track this week? Um, I think if if anything, they've shown the ability to respond well, right? They've lost, like, they lose to South Alabama, they lose to Iowa State. Well, they still rebounded, rattled off five straight wins. Um, 
you know, the, the honeymoon is over, right? The bedlam <laughs> is if it was not in the past last week, everybody says it was, but if it wasn't, now is the time. Move on. You know, you gotta, you know, it, they draw favorable finals two games, right? Houston, BYU. Um, I think Houston for sure is winnable. BYU, just because you're at home, should be a pretty easy game. Uh, and so that helps. And that gets you to nine and three. And I think that's what the kind of focus needs to be on. And, you know, we talked about it uh, on Thursday. You know, if, if you can't move on from the Bedlam win, you're not going to get more Bedlam-type games, right? You know, right. If, if you like right. Bedlam, well, you can still go play for a conference championship. You got to lock in, though, to get to that conference championship. And once again, I mean, everybody says there was no Bedlam hangover. And, um, you know, I probably disagree a little bit with that. Nobody's going to say there was one. <laughs> uh, rightfully so. Nobody would admit that. But uh, I, I think that did kind of play a factor in, in this outcome. But, you know, you, you can you're still the conference championship is still there. Um, you got to win your game. You got to win the last two. That should be motivation enough. You know, at nine and three, you can still probably squeak into a pretty decent bowl game. Uh, so there's still some more to play for. Like, I think that that's the main thing. You know, you got to look at it as there. This is not it. You lost this one. It was ugly. You got to rebound. Um, I'll tell you what, Juwan. I'm going to give everybody a little sneak peek about what we're going to have in the Wednesday Tulsa world. Okay. Because I I said they've lost two games this season where they have not scored more than seven points. So I went back through, I think this is the most damning stat I have heard in a while. So, so Mike Gundy, he's about to wrap up season number 19. Mm-hmm. In every game he's been head coach for, OSU's been held to single digits in the points category eight times. Uh, two have come this year. They obviously got shut out against Kansas State. They in uh, last in 2022, and then they had two in 2014. Uh, they were held to nine points and seven points, and then in 2005 they were held. They were shut out. 2009 they were shut out. And then in the Cotton Bowl of 2009, they were shut out. So we look at all those games, right? Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. So that's eight games. Um, one of which the jury will still be out on this stat. So they're technically 0-6 because they still have to play this upcoming game. And then, actually, I'll just explain the stat first. They lose those games. They score less than nine points in each one of them. The following week, Juwan, they are 0-7 in those games the following week. Interesting. After they have scored less than nine points in a game the following week, they have never won. Now, that's a stat for you right there. So, there's a streak that could possibly be broken this week. A pretty ugly streak. Um. So I'll let I'll let the the viewers kind of or the listeners kind of stew on that. You know what's hilarious, Dean? Very interesting. You know what's hilarious, Dean? When you said I'll give the viewers a little sneak peek, I thought you was going to give them a little words of encouragement, but I don't think that I don't think that did it for them right there. When I when I looked back at all those 
those games this morning, I said, there is no way they've never won after that. After, But, I mean, I'll double-check it before we print it, but I'm pretty sure I'm, I'm correct on that. They've never won a game. They've never, after scoring single-digit points in a loss, the following week they have never won. That's a that is a very intriguing stat, and if you're an OSU fan, I don't think you wanted to hear that one. But that's a that's a great stat to keep in mind there. As I mean, as we said earlier, we have Houston. I mean, they have Houston on their on the ledger next next week, who's currently four and six. So they lose to Houston. I know you said last week you don't think there's anything that that's another question that I actually thought about after this game. The first thing that popped in my mind was. I had asked Dean last week, was there anything that OSU could do for the rest of the year that can change the letter grade that Mike Gundy got? And I think he gave him an A. Do you feel do you still stand on that on that point right there? I was I was self-debating with myself Saturday night uh, when I got back to my hotel. And I said, Who are your your probably Big 12 coach of the year contenders, right? Mm-hmm. I think it's a pretty crowded field, Juwan. You've got, I think, Gundy is still in it, despite For his sure. Mm-hmm. Um, I think you've got somebody like Matt Campbell with what he's done, and the you know they're dealing with all their, you know, the gambling issues and player personnel, and they've they've done all right this year, and uh, you know I think you probably take Venables and climbing, you probably take out. Lance Leipold at Kansas is probably still in the mix a little bit. I think you'd keep Sar- uh, Sarkeesian in there just because you always he you know you're dealing with the is Texas back every year and <laughs> they might finally have done it for once. Um, but but point being, like it's kind of crowded and and this loss definitely doesn't help Mike Gundy's case uh, for Big Twelve Coach of the Year. I don't really know who who's going to end up with that because it's there's a lot of different like all those candidates what they've done are so different and so it's going to be interesting to see what is what is actually portrayed as valuable by by a committee. Um, I think you know you probably got them down to a B, maybe a B minus after a loss like this. Um, this is a game you really kind of needed to win in terms of uh, your season longevity. Right. Uh, how you're kind of gonna like ten years from now, people you, you know, when you reflect back on this year, if you're an OSU fan, you are probably gonna say, like, how the hell did we not only lose to South Alabama, but we lost to or we lost to UCF. And like combine those scores you want, that would be 88 to 10 you were out if your osu was outscored 88 to 10 in those two games against two teams that might not be bowl eligible by the end of the year right i i right. I, I don't know what uh south alabama did this weekend but they were not i think they were four and five going into the weekend and uh you know ucf i guess is five and five now they might still make it but yeah, I think just those two losses knock you down a few points just because you can't lose those ones. All right, Dan, any final football-related things before we move into our next topic? 
I don't think so, Juwan. I think we're good to move on. All right, well, before we get out of here, um, Dean's going to give you guys a little update about some other sports that's going on around Oklahoma State's program, so I'll let you take the floor, Dean. It's it's the, the crossover season of basketball and football, and so uh, my days do not get any easier at this point in the year, but uh, you've got basketball, men's basketball. They're, they're one and one, Juwan. Uh, they're going to be going up to Brooklyn this week, starting Thursday, Friday. They're up there playing in a little uh, invitational. Uh, they'll play St. Bonaventure and then either um, Notre Dame or Auburn, depending on if they win and who wins in the other game. Uh, they're one and one. Pretty brutal start to the season, losing to Abilene Christian. Mm-hmm. The, the three-point shooting gets going against Sam Houston. They win that one, so they're one and one on the season. They get Javon Small back. I think he's probably going to be the most impactful uh, transfer they brought in this year, Juwan. He's a point guard. He's that true point guard that they've really been looking for and needing. Okay. And uh, he didn't play against Abilene Christian. He came back against Sam Houston. Uh, and, and I think that's a big reason why that offense looked a lot better than it did in the season opener. Um, Cowgirl basketball, they are 2-1. and one. They lost to – they played a top 20 Colorado team who beat number one LSU earlier in the week. OSU played them pretty close. Uh, couldn't quite get it done. They're going to take a week off before they also go play in a invitational in the Bahamas. Uh, that's going to start next Monday. And then uh, wrestling got the season started on Friday, playing Bucknell or wrestling against Bucknell. Excuse me. All right. Well, there there is our update right there. College football season kind of coming down to a close. So we'll be talking more about some of the other programs around OSU. Um, any final things before we get out of here, Dean? Thanks, so, Juwan. I think we're good to leave it there. All right. Well, we appreciate you all for joining us for another episode of the OSU Sports Extra podcast. We'll be back Thursday to discuss OSU's game against Houston. Um, remember, you can download our podcast on wherever you get your podcast from, Spotify, Apple Music, Google, wherever that may be. Dean, I have a lot of great content for you on the TulsaWorld.com website for you. And make sure you check out his story in Wednesday's print edition or online. Um, for Juwan Lee, Dean Rule, this has been the OSU Sports Extra Podcast. We'll see you next time.